All right, welcome guys to the second episode of the Tennis Fans Podcast. I am Tuck. And I'm Tree. So before we get started with this episode, I would like to give a special thank you to Scott and Debbie from Toki Tennis. Uh, they are providing us with a lot of cute stuff to wear. Um, uh, we were talking to Scott while we were at Indian Wells uh, this past week. And uh, this, is, this, this is what the episode is going to be about uh, most of the time uh, from our trip. Uh, to Indian Wells. Yeah, and if you like, uh, you know, very cute uh, sweats, uh, t-shirts, uh, plushie. Yeah, they're c- I think Scott was saying they're coming out with some plushies yeah. soon and yes. and some other stuff. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on the website, yeah. tokitennis.com, um, if you really like these uh, really cute characters. Yes, and we'll be sure to put a link to their website in the description. The, yep. So you can check it out. All right, well, in order... To get started here, um, yeah, we, I guess we can talk a little bit about like our trip. Um, we stayed, I think Wednesday and Thursday, yeah. um, March eighth and ninth, the first week um, of the tournament. Yeah, it was during the first round. Uh, we got to talk to a lot of players. Yes, but watching a lot of good player practice and seeing how their uh, their practice is structure. Yeah, I think that's pretty important because like. Um, you know, you can watch a lot of matches and stuff online, um, but this is like an experience where like you get to see behind the scenes of how like the pra- the players like practice. Yeah, and uh, maybe you can even incorporate that into your own. Yeah, w- which is really cool. I, I like going to Indian Wells. Uh, I pers- well, I I've never been to any of like the four slam before, but. Uh, I've been to other tournament, right? Like for example, when they host the San Diego Open, right here we've been uh, we've been there, but um, Indian Wells by far is probably in terms of like player closure, and watching, uh, you know, practices. I think it's probably the best that I've seen. But that again, I've never been to a Slam before, so I don't know what it's like. But Indian Wells is pretty good. Yeah, so I mean, maybe we can kind of talk about our experience, like doing some pretty unordinary things at these tournaments i think a lot of these players like you know they they every day like they get a lot of fans that come up and you know giving them like stuff to autograph and it's like the like same same old sort of thing the 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 first year we went to uh i think indian wells or no i think it started with um sd open first right yeah sd open first in uh 2021 and the reason why they have like the san diego open is because it was during the pandemic year right well the year after the pandemic a lot of tournaments get canceled so um one of the tournaments that was canceled was in i believe in china so right. they replaced that those tournaments with san diego so they decided to host the san diego open in october of 2021 and i think it's like the perfect time for them too because like right after that, they would just make their way up to Indian Wells because that yeah. it was a kind of a special year because Indian Wells was held in October, I believe. Yeah, it got pushed um, that year. Yeah, and so after that tournament, they would just drive all the way to Indian Wells and just have it there. Yeah, that was personally like my first experience watching like a pro match, uh, or like just like just watching pros in general. I it was it was crazy because like. We, we can kind of talk about it again. Like we, we've talked about this before, like uh, 
the first moment we walked through the door, um, like the, or like the gates at um, SD Open, Barnes Tennis Center, we encountered Fabio Fognini just on the side. Yeah. And like, I just never thought that I was, <laughs> I would be able to kind of just see something like, like that in real life. It just kind of felt pretty unreal at the time. Yeah. And, and, and let me tell you this, having been, having been at Indian Wells, well, you, 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 you never seen professional tennis up until 2021 in person. Right. But I've seen it before. I seen, I've been to Indian Wells since in 2009. And I can tell you, that experience that we had in San Diego Open in 2021 was nothing in terms of like player closure was never been uh, before for me. Like it was really right. close just because it was that first year how they, they uh, in San Diego, they didn't know how they, they organized it, right? right? So like player was just walking around and we, we walked into the facility and we saw Fabio Fognini just literally walking around on the phone, no, uh, no barriers. No like security, no or security anything. whatsoever. Right, it was so funny, but yeah. That, um, after that, it went kind of downhill. In twenty twenty two, it's not so great, but yeah. Yeah, like I mean, we we got to meet like not not personally meet or anything, but we got to see Kenny Shikori, yeah. like all these really cool like players. I mean, we even got to see Michael Chang, which yeah. is really cool. Uh, Tommy Paul, Tommy Paul, got a picture with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think th- those those were some pretty cool experiences, and I think once we hit that first Indian Wells, at least for my my first Indian Wells, which is like the one following the SD Open, yeah. is when you started to kind of like think of like some crazy stuff to to do, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And um, I guess you know just to kind of uh, preface it, like you wanted to print this picture of Pass. Oh yeah, that's right. So. Uh, it was also in 2021, like he said, it was, um, we, we, they had the San Diego open as a prep tournament for Indian Wells because Indian Wells got pushed back. So, um, I was able to get this picture printed out and signed by Sissy Pass, uh, that, in that exact tournament. And it was, it, it was not, pl- uh, well, in a way it was kind of half planned. I, I always, I was always going to have this printed out, but. Um, just kind of taking a risk and then just uh, bringing it to the tournament and have him sign. It was great. Yeah. Well, I, I think like, it was definitely like a huge risk because like you didn't even like plan on bringing it in. Like you we, you brought it with us, but eventually yeah. you just kind of brought it with, with like everybody kind of just swarmed around this thing. Like I remember yeah. it was almost like, like they've never seen it before. It was kind of like something ridiculous, like, Yes, I mean, it, it would be hard to believe, right? Because I didn't, obviously, I expected that it would get a lot of attention. Right. But my intention was that I just want to have him sign this. You know, like, I, I didn't care about, like, what everybody else think. I just wanted him to sign it. But I bring it in, and I open it, and then it's just, people keep looking at it. I felt embarrassed. But at the same time, because of the fact that it gains a lot of attention, I was able to get his agent to who who happens to stand around right there right and just basically told me like look this is what you print out is pretty cool and if he doesn't want to sign it i will make sure that he signed it so uh remember we were kind of down because at one point he just walked by us yeah and he didn't even like he looked at it all weird and he just like kind of keep walking there's a picture online of that there's literally an exact moment (laughs) where he looked at that poster and he was just like what the heck am i looking at what, what is this uh and then and then i was like dang it it's 
and, and that whole entire week he was not he was not uh, signing anything right because of like the COVID thing uh, that he was like oh I don't want to sign anything and then he walked by I'm like okay there's no chance he's signing it but at least we gave it a shot but then all of a sudden like the agent the actually agent. called his dad and we were sitting here all disappointed and then all of a sudden his dad looked at us right. gave the thumbs up and I was like I was like no thumbs down I gave his dad a thumbs down I'm like no there's no way he's gonna sign this and then he walked out and then st uh, start signing it. There's a video of it, right? Like you say, yeah, yeah it's pretty, pretty online. Pretty, pretty cool. And and so like that was the start of us kind of like because these players, like like I said before, like they 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 get a whole like thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans that come out and they you know like get these pictures signed and all that stuff and they get their balls signed. Like we needed something a little bit crazy. Yeah. To kind of catch their attention and so that was the point where we kept brainstorming these sort of ideas in order to get their attention better yeah and i mean in that same tournament like in that same indian wells like we decided something else and that was with yannick center yeah same exact thing yeah and so i mean that was just purely a coincidence as well just because that year, I think it was Emma Raducanu. She was the big, like, big thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, she just came fresh from winning the US, the US Open. Open. Yeah. And I, it just so happened that she was playing a match during the exact same time that Yannick Sinner was practicing. Yeah, so it drew a lot of crowd over to the stadium that she was playing. And we were literally maybe, like, the second, like, or maybe, like, two, like, there was two other people that were there. Yeah. That was watching him. And so, you know, Long was with us at the time. And he called us. And he was like, hey, like, are you guys hungry? Like, do you want some pizza? And I think at that point, like, I, I don't know. Like, we were just like, what if we just use the pizza that Long's buying and just offered it to Yannick Center yeah. in, in the hopes that, like, you know, it's something funny yeah. to catch his attention. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. And it was very, he was, he was very nice about it, too. He 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 uh, he uh, declined to eat it in a very respectful manner. And he's genuinely a super 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 nice guy. Yeah, he is. And yeah. he's proven that because now I think two two Indian Wells now like with this one as counting this one, um, we decided to kind of keep it the tradition and just do the same thing. Yeah. And just buy like I bought him pizza again last year, and he still remembered us. And then we did it again this year. And so, you know, with this, like, we decided, hey, like, m why not take this chance, you know, with this new podcast on the way? Um, maybe ask him a few questions and maybe ask him other players a, a few questions as well. And so, like, this, the question that we decided to go with this time and, um, you know, withdrawing attention with, like, with the, the whole pizza thing, um, we decided to ask him or just ask a lot of like the ATP players and uh, w like maybe some of the WTA players as well, um, like how they handle pressure during a match. And, uh, you know, we got some pretty good, some pretty good footage for sure. And may maybe we can watch it right now and just like kind of dissect it a little bit here. So this is going to be Yannick first. 
How do you handle the pressure when you're on like, when you're playing a match? Ah, just focusing about yourself. That's the most important. Because if you start to think about other stuff, it's 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 tough, no? Okay. And obviously you have to stay in the present moment. Right. That's my way. And everyone is is different. And what what's your favorite Eminem song? Eminem song. Yeah. Oh. I had to squeeze a little a little funny question at the end because um, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit but uh, I think like what he's saying is pretty good actually because yeah. sometimes we really get caught up in like the little mistakes that we make and it's good during a match or like especially under pressure to you know take a step back and just stay in the moment a little bit and not think too far in the past and also too far into the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's take a look here. Um, we actually got a response from Yoshihito Nishioka as well. Much pressure? Yes. Well, this is the usual, always happen, right? Yes. So. I don't have that much pressure like, uh, like every month. But when I got a feeling so tight, I always, uh, I always uh, showing more emotions. Yeah. I actually really like that. That's like a kind of a different perspective. Yeah. Because he's saying he's trying to show more emotions in order to be become the pressure for the other player i think yeah. is if i'm understanding that correctly and, and it goes back to exactly what uh yannick was saying is different people uh have a different way of handling pressure with yannick you can see during matches he's very reserved very uh control of himself and that works for him because uh, you don't really show any kind of weakness you don't show that you're being bothered by anything but then for a player like yoshihito nishioka he 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 wants to express um, his emotion in order to play better. So it really really depends on the the person and how you really handle those moments. But it's really good to see kind of what Yannick was saying and what Yoshihito was saying. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a good contrast between the two players. Yeah. Uh, here is one from Zinyu Wang. Zinyu Wang, yeah. She's uh, number 62 in the world, I believe. Yeah, so she's... I think the last time I checked, she, I think she went up a little bit. She went up a little bit. She yeah. did really well in this tournament. She uh, she lost in the third round, but that's really, really uh, well done. That's all how you look at it. I mean, pressure can be like lost on you, but also if you don't I think of it like a motivation. Yes. I think that's how I look at it. That's good. Hey, good luck. So I think she's saying here is like, you can use the pressure as a motivation for you to push through the match. Yeah. Yeah, motivation. I think um, it, it's, an, it's a very interesting way of looking at it as well because I think when you look at it in a positive manner, um, I think you play better as well. So I think that's a very good response. Yeah, because like, if you kind of think of it in like the you know the normal way that I guess people would look at it, uh, not normal, but like typically people would think of pressure in the negative sense, like oh I'm, I'm gonna you know, crack under pressure and all that stuff. But 
you know, with her, like the way that she's looking at it, she's using that pressure as a way to kind of push herself forward and, you know, do better. Yeah. And, and, uh, haven't had the opportunity to play with like a lot of recreational players at, in our tennis community, as well as through some of my colleagues that I play tennis with. I think at our level, a lot of the time we get really hung up on the very specific things. So for example, if you're having a bad day and you, your backhand may not be working as well as you want it to be, you're really focusing on, oh, I'm not playing well because my backhand, or I'm not playing well because I'm not moving my feet, I'm not playing well. I think it's good that you recognize that, but in this situation, like having seen their responses, they don't really say, you know, I'm trying to deal with the pressure by looking at the technical stuff. I'm dealing with it in a different way rather than looking at the the, the specific technical thing. Right. Um, so I think it, it it makes a lot of sense that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not not a lot of people are familiar with this player. Uh, can you give a little bit of a background on on who this player is? Yeah, so that's uh, his name is Nikola Metic. Yeah. He's uh, he's one of the top doubles player in the world. Um, he's been in a few Grand Slam final and he win one. Um, very good doubles player. So uh, yeah, it's it it was very good moment that we were able to uh, caught up with him as he was walking to the practice court. Right. Yeah. And I, I really like what he's trying he's trying to say here. Yeah. Because he's saying not to expect not to expect some sort of outcome. Yeah. Um, he's saying that you should try to do something in the moment and do what you need to do in order, you know, to get the outcome that you want, but don't expect a certain outcome. Right. That's, that's very good. Actually focusing on objectives yeah. that you, yeah, that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time, um, I, you have like this, th when we talk about pressure, it's kind of funny because I've been in a lot of situation where I'm leading during the match and I'm leading during games like 40 love or five, two. And all of a sudden I find myself at deuce or all of a sudden I find myself at five, five, five during the set. And right. I was like, how did that happen? And you have like these little doubt that creeps into your mind. Like, Oh, even when you're playing too well, you're like, Oh, I'm playing so well. Like, can I keep, can I keep this going? Right. And the moment you have start having those doubt, that's when the pressure start coming in. Right. And then you, 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 you start to tighten up and those kind of things. That's exact. I, I believe that's what he, he was saying. 
is don't focus on so much on the outcome. Right. Just continue to focus on what you can control. do to control the outcome. Right. That's what I do a lot of the time. So I think that's really good advice on him. Like don't ever, that, that's at least that, that's how I interpreted it, it to be is that um, when you're doing something well, don't have any self-doubt. Or even when things go wrong, don't, don't doubt yourself as well. Just continue to do exactly what you're doing. You put in the hard work. Now it's going to pay off and continue right. to focus on what you can control. Right. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I, and I, and I think I that goes it. into like the adaptability of like the game as well. Like, you know, my, my first tournament, like probably 20, was it 2020 when I first put, no, it was 2021. Yeah. I played my, I played my first tournament at La Jolla and it, it was against this kid. And, you know, I, I, I thought I played decent in the first, in the first set and I was able to take the first set. And I think what happened there, you know, I ended up losing the match. But what happened there was like, you know, I felt pretty good in the moment, like with taking the first set. And then, you know, after that, I was just like, I expected to be able to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. But and, and kind of lost focus a little bit there. Yeah. And I think it's important to like, I, I still played the same type of game. It's just that I lost focus and forgot to kind of readjust myself and try to because he like at this point he's going to be thinking about like how am i going to try to beat this guy how, how so he's adjusting his game and in order to try to beat me yeah and th that's how he's able to take like you know the the, the last two two sets but like you know I, I lost focus because you know i was expecting some sort of outcome after that for taking that first set and so i think it's what the, the lesson learned there is like just focus on what you need to do especially like you know what you learn during practice and stuff yeah and you know play your game but just don't lose focus i mean that's like the toughest thing because like you know, that happens to the best of us and maybe even the pros as well sometimes yeah i i, I think uh, and this uh, this this is kind of connect to it is how well you handle pressure control how the momentum is on your side and right. a lot of people who plays a lot of tennis may know this but momentum in tennis is so important yeah uh you, like in, in mo when you watch like professional matches and also when you play a match yourself you can sense momentum being shift back and forth it's it's very easy to recognize that for example yep. you play really well all of a sudden you shank a backhand right and then you have start having that self-doubt yeah and you're and you're and then you're like oh my gosh i just shanked that backhand is it possible that it can happen again yep. and when you have that that momentum that doubt creeps in the momentum then shifts to yep. your opponent your opponent recognize that then now that momentum shift to him so that's why it's a lot of like um like the topic is about mental strength like i think it's important to 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 have good mental strength out there um but but again like really depend on how people handle it to really try to find a way to maintain your composure and maintain the momentum on your side because that's most of the time is is how you're going to be able to cope tennis right. is a game of mo momentum it's back and forth back and forth and the people who are able to deal with the mental strength as well as having that momentum on their side is the people who usually prevail at the end of the match yeah it's, yeah, it's really important to be able to keep focused and keep that 
yeah. level That's of tennis. Yes, uh, exactly. It's very easy to say, yeah. obviously, like when you're put in a pressure situation, like yeah. just any matches, it's going to be completely different yeah. because we practice so differently than we actually play the match. Exactly. We, especially we, you can, you can especially see that with the pros as well. When, when you watch the pros practice, they hit the ball like crazy. I, I would say like maybe upwards of like 10 miles an hour faster than what they usually hit yeah. at. When, yeah. when they go yeah, into right. a match, it's, it's just like completely strategic. They try to do like, they, they try to keep up the level basically. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's such a big momentum game. Yeah. And, like, and the thing is, here's another funny thing that I think a lot of people may know as well is back in like i would say like 2000 not not even like the 1990 like very recently like 2000 the year 2000 where you have like uh federer was still dominating and everything you see like the player box right and you have like your coach who teach you like the technique and like the the strategy and all that stuff and then you have your uh how you say like your physical fitness right you would never realize that nowadays people also have like mental coach yeah. in their boxes. Yeah. Like you, you like Iga Shriatek, she has like a mental coach or like a psychiatrist in her team. And, and Djokovic, like he not, he doesn't only like you see him doing stretches. You see him doing yoga. You see him taking care of his body. You see him like doing like physical stuff, but right. he also meditate and train his mental mind. Right. It's so important nowadays to like for for uh, for you to be able to master that, right? And I think like the perfect spot to kind of like even get a little tiny glimpse of this is uh, in the documentary we watched Breakpoint, and uh, they they did a pretty they, they did a pretty good job at like yeah. showing like a little bit of like behind the scenes of these players and how they you know they everybody like has these sort of things when they you know they think about they 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 place under a great ton of like pressure especially during matches and you know we're all human and so we have to kind of deal with that sort of stuff yeah. and i guess for the listeners that aren't too familiar with the game itself you know like in tennis you got to be able to hold your serve like that, that's that's like that's like a big 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 thing and the momentum shifts you know like when you're not on level ground anymore with the other player is when the other player breaks you meaning the other player wins the game that you are serving on and that can put a whole lot of pressure on the, the yeah. player that is serving and that that in itself can cause this whole momentum shift to happen yeah because like exactly. at this point you're having a lot of self like doubt yeah like, you know my serve is not working yeah and so you know like for me just speaking from personal experience, I don't have a great serve. It's actually a pretty terrible serve. And so, like, when, when I tank my serves or, like, when the other person, you know, wins that game that I'm serving on, it's my service game, you know, that, that's going to throw me off for a loop for sure. And that, that's, that's what happens with a lot of my matches is that I'm not able to hold serve. And I think that's... I mean, one of the topics that we can kind of get get into now is that what do you think is the the toughest shot in tennis? 
because for me it's the serve yeah i i was actually like thinking about <laughs> the backhand smash because uh again like last our last uh, episode we were talking about like federer and how easy he makes things look yeah when i first watched tennis uh i seen Federer hit a lot of these like backhand smash whenever people try to lop him to the backhand and he would just flick his wrist and it's like literally like a normal smash. Like it looks yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like it looks like <laughs> he didn't even try. Like yeah. he, he like sometimes he, they probably don't even look. Like yeah. I see Rafa doing that a lot of the time and it's just like and then you like that that's the thing yeah. we d- we it's like very yeah, underappreciated. Yeah, like like if you go and you you just search Federer backhand smash, like Nadal's backhand smash is pretty good. But yeah. if you look at Federer, some of his like sma- backhand smash, like back in the early days, like it's literally like a smash, like a normal smash match. Yeah. L- and that doesn't like, that's not an easy shot. Yeah. Um, I see. Like, that's, it's so funny. Like I keep, I'm, I'm thinking back of the previous episode, which is when I say like he make things look easy. Like oh, when yeah. you actually go out there and you tr- like you have somebody lob to your backhand and you try to smash it, it's yeah. not it's not easy. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, like that's what I'm. That, that 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 that's what I'm uh, I'm thinking. Uh, but nevertheless, like I think, yeah, the serve is definitely the serve. I would say is like the most technical. Uh, technical. There's a lot more to it because that's how you start the point. Um, and then there's a lot of things that going into it: your lower body, your upper body, uh, your toss, all of that kind of thing. Instead of like just taking back a forehand, hitting it taking back a backhand hitting it there's a lot more to the serve so yeah and i think that's like such an underappreciated thing about like just watching tennis because like if you only watch tennis it's like just just people like hitting the ball back and forth yeah but if you watch and play tennis you start to really appreciate certain things about it yeah because you're 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 playing and you're making these mistakes right and it's it's like you you know what is really tough but like these players like they're making it so easy yeah and so for me like i guess just to kind of get back on track the track is um yeah it's definitely the serve like i've always had like a huge issue with the serve and i think it's just like due to consistency like in in the motion and everything and yeah it's it's just it's the serve is where how the point starts if you don't have the serve, then it's just not gonna work. Yeah, I agree. And and so maybe this leads into, I guess, practicing with sort of an objective, because like a lot of the time, like in in our early sort of approach to our practice we would just kind of hit the ball, right? Yep. And our sort of approach now is we we want to try to kind of be strategic and be more productive in, in how we want to, um, I guess, yeah, be, be productive of our, of our hitting sessions. Like I, and, and so, like, we, we drew a lot of our inspiration, especially, I mean, from, like, coaches and stuff, but also, you know, from this past week, we were going to Indian Wells and, trying to see like how do these players practice and you know like when we were watching them you know they had all these sort of like specific goals specific shots that they were working on and so like it's it's very important to be able to kind of set those 
objectives so then we can kind of get better that way because if you know we we hit the ball and just rally which is good i mean it it, it helps on like consistency and everything like but it, eventually like we have to kind of work towards something because like n n tennis is not a lot like hitting cross court and whatnot and yeah it's so whenever we get to like that foreign land where you know we're not too familiar with a certain shot that that that's like that that's um that's why we need to practice th those specific yeah. shots yeah i mean it's right right like um when you go out there and you like what we've been doing the last year or so which is it, it's still good it's just hitting down the middle yeah but um over time like when you actually go into matches not a lot of people like hit down the middle to you like they mostly like try to run you over around right and like make you you know go left and go right and one of those things is like it's hard if you get in that zone of just hitting down the middle back and forth all the time you don't really get to explore the different things that you need to be able to do to win points um so we've been doing um we, we've been implementing a different way of practicing right yeah and it's i would say it's been working out pretty well is we'll have maybe spend the first 10 minutes just hitting down the middle just to get warm up and then after that we'll go cross court uh to the forehand forehand to forehand and then cross court backhand to backhand and just exploring the different type of angles and ball that we can hit that we then can um can gain certain shots that we were not able to hit before so right. i think that that's like like practicing with objective is kind of varies between how people wants to do it but the very basic and the very core thing i want to keep in mind is to go out there and have the specific things that you want to work on yeah and i think it just comes down to like this helps a lot in in terms of our game because it's like repetitions if, you, if you're able to kind of just reproduce these sort of shots yeah this is th this is just going down like the very foundational stuff like hitting cross court and stuff that's very foundation we, we go to like indian wells and stuff and we see these play players practice very specific shots and that's something you know we'll, we'll eventually go, go down the line and you know try to practice different shots yeah but that's what i was saying like we, we need to practice these foundational stuff yeah and like really f like focus in on that yeah i think the most important thing for the people who are watching this is like we're not telling everybody to go to indian wells yeah watch the practice and then go home and do exactly like what those guys no. were practicing like no. right like i think the message is if you want to get better you have to have a specific objective of what you want to work on you go out there and you say today i want to work on hitting a high forehand yeah then you just spend maybe like 15 20 minutes after you get warm up just practicing have somebody feed you ball of like high forehand and you're just practicing on that specific shot because there are so many different type of shot in tennis you can practice on and having that objective every single session is going to make you feel better um and sh showing that you are working on sp a specific thing yeah is what i think is the best way to, to go about it because uh, now i mean it's something that we should have realized much earlier but i think it's fine like again but i think 
it's much better for you to go out there and spend an hour to practice on the shot that you want to get better at than going out there and play around for or just hitting down the middle for like two hours and really doesn't really get anything besides like cardio right yeah and it's 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 very something like going back to the basics like this is very important for me too because Mm -hmm. as a player that's starting fresh again basically yeah starting very very fresh like i need to kind of go back to the basics and just hitting cross court forehand forehand like once we finish with that we take it step by step and just kind of do that like go backhand to backhand down the line all that stuff and then we start incorporating them together and now you know we've gotten a little bit further in terms of our progression exactly and mind you, like before this, we were, we spent a whole lot of time out there at the courts. We, I would say like a good, maybe three hours every day, six, seven days a week. You know, we've, we've gotten a lot better yeah. for sure. Like in terms of just hitting, but I think now with this, it will kind of further our game a little bit more just because now we've. We're, we're, we have certain objectives that we we need to kind of like achieve yeah yeah and I, I, and I think this this all stems from you know just again like the community that we are able to uh, get to meet out there you know with all the coaches and stuff um, like fortunately we we have some pretty you know pr- pretty credible people that we're able to talk to and give us advice. And they are the ones that are kind of like, hey, maybe you guys need to kind of take a different approach to your practices and try to be more productive. Yeah. You know, like, I I think that's really good that we have people like that to kind of just look at us and say, you know, (laughs) it's it's just uh, you you guys put in your time. Like, we we definitely put in our time, that's for sure. But um, putting our time towards something that will benefit us. like that that's something that they they were able to provide us with yeah i agree and um this leads to you know um again like with with the the people that we've met and uh them providing us with very very useful advice that's for sure and it's it's helped us improve our game quite a lot and um you know getting advice from like different people i guess like um maybe you can kind of um explain it a little bit more yeah like getting advice from different people um i would say it's kind of going back again like to the last episode where we talked about like how people are different and they have a different way of playing it's kind of apply here is that you you have to be able to have uh that selective mindset of understanding what information being fed to you is going to be effective right like you cannot just go out there and listen to everybody right because that's just an overload of information you won't be able to process it even and i I guess like that's why it's good to have so many coaches out there to help us because in a way it's better to have a bunch of information dumped over you and then you're just kind of like intake it and then really big pick out bits and pieces to really improve your game and the more you listen to these advices day over day the more you picked up and the more you apply to it. Right. And then you will be able to see, and then you'll be able to try it, right? A lot of people, 
I would say, and it's totally fine. Like they would, they would think I will should, tr I shouldn't try everything because if I try it, it's going to mess with my technique or it's going to mess with me and, and everything. I think yeah. the most important thing for me that helps me improve thus far is, um, to be able to give it a shot, to be able to try different things. Yeah. And, um, if you don't, for me personally, I feel like, um, you have to be, a, you have to be uncomfortable experiencing yeah. like, yeah. uh, right. Like it goes to a, a saying that um, a lot of people know is the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Yeah. So if you want to improve, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to try different things, even yep. if it feels weird first over time, it's going to feels right. Yeah. And if people are telling you, oh, like you should try this. Yes. Take it into consideration. If it doesn't work and you feel strange and it hurts your hand, then yes, maybe it's not the right thing for you. But that's what I, that's what I, I, I know. Um, that's how I, I think about receiving feedback from different people is to take the little things here and there, apply to your game, feel uncomfortable at first, but then eventually you're going to feel better. I agree. Yeah. Like I, especially when you're, I think the idea that when you're in an uncomfortable situation is where you're going to be doing a whole lot of growing. Like you're that, like if you're kind of stagnant and you're co like comfortable, that that's maybe like it works for some people, but like, I think it's, it's definitely, you will definitely do be doing a lot of more growing when you put under, under like a more uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, you know, going back, like, there's there's a whole lot of you know because I'm 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 a again a fresh player and so I'm just trying to like soak in everything as much as I can right now, especially like when I'm first starting out like you can see in the videos and stuff like my backhand has changed quite a bit yeah. and I, I think that's where you know embracing that uncomfort or no discomfort sorry but yeah embracing the discomfort and the change that you need to make in order to improve yeah because i remember right like uh you started out with a one-handed backhand you wanted to hit a one-hand backhand and then you were on the uh what is it is it the eastern grip yeah i think so it was you, something you you really on, extreme you, you on a, no you, you originally started now on the east on the eastern grip and then one day we start hitting with this guy who now moved to Chicago and he was like, no, you should like the way I hit my backhand is, Oh yeah, that's right. That's I right. Hold the grip over all the way to the Western super Western. Right. 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 And right. then, and then you're like, Oh, that's strange. But you were able to like, Hey, if I want to get better, maybe I should listen to him. Right. And right. You master it and you were playing really well with it for a while. Right. But then it, it gave like over time, I think you, you got used to it for like a solid six months or something. Yeah. But then you developed this hick where, you went over too much. That's sometime when you hit over the ball, it just literally bounces before it hit the net. Right. And then you talk to like, and then Xavier was like, Hey, maybe like you should try to switch it back. And then you were able to adapt it back. So right. that's, that's a, that's an example. Like it didn't, it didn't definitely didn't make you a worse player. Right. Yeah. Like it makes you better and you were able to try to do different things. It, it definitely takes time to readjust. Yeah. Like you are going to be uncomfortable yeah. no matter what, because you're making a change, but you just gotta embrace the change yeah. and just go with it. Sometimes you gotta trust in your body because like, you can't just be like, Oh, it doesn't work. Like I'm just going to totally dismiss the, the advice. Yeah. Um, like oh, my body just doesn't move that way. No, you need to try it like, and really, really try. 
like really put in your effort to try whatever the advice is given to you. If that doesn't work, you know, after, you know, two, three months, then let's, you know, okay, revert back. But, and, and you know, that, that's, that's where, you know, you need to be able to pick and choose what works for your body. What someone says to you could not work and or could or could not work. Yeah. And, and so like you, it's, it's good to sometimes also to take a step back, I think, because sometimes people would say completely opposite things. Like let's say, for example, like Hector and Xavier today, it was very interesting. Um, just the other, just the other day, Hector was saying, you know, shorten up your take back a little bit, keep it a little bit lower and don't, don't do something so extreme. And today Xavier told me, um, you know, uh, earlier that I should take, have the take back be a little bit higher and also a little bit further back. And you can kind of see like the contrast and like the, the, the di different teaching style. And that's so totally completely fine. Like it works for some, like for certain people because you know, they're built a certain way. And it, it's, it's definitely useful to try to just be able to just try it out and see if it works for you. But taking a step back, right? Like, what's the idea here? Yeah. Like you gotta just take a step back. It's like, why are they telling me to do these certain things? Why did Hector tell me to shorten up my, my swing? Uh, why did Xavier tell me to lengthen it and take it higher? Lengthening it will allow you to drive through a ball, the ball a little bit higher. And that's the whole, like the idea of it. As opposed to Hector, he's saying to shorten it, taking a step back from that, it just means because I'm usually late. Yeah. And so taking, making it shorter will make it a little bit more efficient in terms of the travel distance. And so the idea here is preparation, right? That's a big thing. And so sometimes you just got to be able to kind of pick it out like that. Like not technically, like you don't have to go technique wise. So it's just get the whole, like the general idea of what, you're trying to achieve here. Yeah. And I, I think like it's really useful to have those two sort of like, um, sort of advices because you, then you're able to kind of draw from like your mistakes. Like, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So this was this week's episode. I think this was great because we got a little bit, um, got to show a little bit of like the, I guess how the the pros play, which is really cool. Um, like how, how they think a little bit and how they think during the matches and relating that to our own experiences um, on the court as well. Yeah, I agree. Before we ended off, I guess, uh, we'd like to also give our thanks again to Toki Tennis. Yeah. Um, it, Scott and Debbie are super nice. They, they recognize us, I remember, in 2021. Yeah, that's when we f uh, no sorry last year, 2022. Yeah, that's when we first met them and they were you know, very welcoming and very open to like hey you know give us a free T-shirt and everything like that. So, um, not only is it a very cute brand, yeah, but they have there there are some very passionate people. Yeah, they truly love the sport and really want the sport to do well behind the scenes. So definitely check out their store. No, they're they're super genuine people. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um. You know, like the, it's just a pleasure to have them, especially in the tennis community. That's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. Well, 
this has been the episode two yeah. of the Tennis Fans Podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful and smashing week up ahead. And uh, signing out. This has been Tuck. And this is Tree. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>